Welcome to the Recharge Your Life podcast with me, Dr. Carrie Ulrich and Kelly Gunther. We are thrilled to talk to people who have made a decision that recharged their lives. Often, they pushed themselves out of their comfort zones and took risks. We want to know about that decision point. Why did they make that decision? And most importantly, how can we learn from them? Kelly and I are passionate HR professionals, and together we co-founded our HR consulting firm, Abrachi Group. We have talked to amazing people throughout our careers and listened to them as they made decisions that changed their lives and knew that these inspirational stories would help others. And why did we call it Recharge? It's based on a book I co-authored called The Way of the HR Warrior, and in it, we have a leadership model, CHARGE, which stands for courage, humility, accuracy, resiliency, goal-oriented, and exemplary. We know that people used one or more of these qualities to help them make their decisions, and we want to learn from them. Now, sit back, listen, and be inspired by these stories, and then do something to recharge your life. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. It's Kelly. We're so excited to have Jacqueline Adams as our very special guest. Jacqueline began her training career teaching high school math in Swahili in a rural Tanzanian village for two years as a Peace Corps volunteer. Upon returning to the U.S., she combined her love of teaching with her Bachelor of Science in Computer Engineering to become a corporate engineering trainer. After spending a decade as a top-rated instructor, she founded her own learning consulting company. For her professional achievements, Jacqueline has received local and national recognition, including the Top 40 Under 40, Outstanding Young Alumni, and Outstanding Women in Business Awards. Jacqueline writes a weekly column for IE. EE, which is the world's largest technical organization sharing career development, thought leadership. Jacqueline, such a pleasure to have you on our podcast. We always like to start by asking what show, podcast, book, or blog do you go to when you want to push yourself and expand your thinking? First of all, thank you so much for having me, Kelly and Carrie. And a couple of the top podcasts I go to, I really love Tom Bilyeu's impact theory. Uh, I also really enjoy armchair expert. And then if I want to get a little bit more on the techie side, I turn to Lex Friedman's podcast. All right. So Jacqueline, hello and welcome. So happy you're here. So uh, we don't usually have a lot of engineers on this podcast. We can change that though. You're going to break the mold. So you have to tell us what's in these podcasts. Because sometimes I'm like, oh, I've heard of that. I've heard of none of them. So give us some more detail. Oh, wow. (laughs) Okay, yeah. The amount that I don't know, Jacqueline, is far greater than the amount I know. So we can assume I know pretty much Jack and then add to it. So yes, impact theory. Start with that one. I was trying to write them, scribble them down. Okay, impact theory. So impact theory, okay, let's see if I get this straight. It was started by Tom Bilyeu, who is a billionaire um, power bar owner. He started this power bar because he was overweight. His family had issues with being overweight, and he wanted to find a solution. So this Tom Bilyeu's impact theory is not techie at all. Ah, okay. Leadership-oriented, entrepreneurial Impact theory is based on how to create a better impact on your life and the lives of others. Wonderful. Okay. What's the next one you mentioned? I couldn't write it down. This is horrible. Let's see. Dax and I'll, oops, I was trying to pull it up. I can't remember (laughs) his name, but his name is Dax. Oh, Dax Shepard? 
There you go, Dak Shepard. Oh, Dak Shepard. Okay, that one I have heard of. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Wonderful. And he brings on just everyone across the gambit. Um, But similar setup there, asking really intriguing questions and having really engaging. He does a ton of research and just pulls out these incredibly interesting long form um, podcast series. So the one that is more engineering based would be Lex Friedman, who is a um, MIT professor on AI. Um, He brings on a variety of guests too. So it's not all completely techie. And sometimes he even during COVID, he went into some of um, the research based on that, but it is more AI based podcast still in long form version and just really intriguing um, topics. Oh, that sounds lovely. So what, those are a variety of topics. What do you think, what's the theme, Jacqueline, that pulls you toward all of these? Like what's, what's kind of that, the, um, the nugget that you get from each of these? Well, I want to be inspired and I want to be informed. Mm. And so hearing about people who are at their top of their game and what they're willing to share and their best practices or their strategies. Personally, I love it when they share their struggles because Mm -hmm. I hear that. Um, And so how do we move forward from this? So yeah, I I love how they really dig into these topics on a much deeper level than you can get when just like looking at basic articles online. Right. I appreciate that. And I think it goes back to your kind of your engineering degree, because if you look at engineers in general, you want to dig in, you want to solve a problem. That's really what it is, right? And I'd be too simple on engineering. Yeah, you're solving a problem. And you're figuring it out. And so for you, you're like getting really in there and you're figuring it out and you're listening to the struggle and then you're inspired to maybe change something or informed to solve a problem in a better way. So I could see why you like all of those. And I want them to inform me on my problems and what similarities we have or what I might experience in the future or what I should be aware of. A lot of this stuff, I believe, is getting good exposure Yes. Um, sometimes even to things that are outside your norms, to things that are outside of your world and helping build that awareness too, because there might be issues that I don't even have on my radar. Yes. And I think what, what I think you probably, when you're, when you're trying to solve a problem and you keep focusing and focusing on it, sometimes it's so good to leave it, go watch something different, go take a walk, go look, go through a garden, do something so opposite from what you're focused on. And it's amazing how Sometimes the solution comes to you then and look, right. And looking at different, looking at, looking at how others have solved different types of problems, like an airline problem, even though you're working on a computer problem and how you could learn from them. So surprising to me is it's been really helpful being a hiker. Um, Mm. I love, I moved to Charlotte from Denver. So whether it was back when I was in the Rockies out exploring or now that I get to sometimes go off to the Smokies. It's funny that even though it's hard to pull me away from the laptop for long enough, because you you think, and at least I do, I keep staring at the problem and wanting to like Mm -hmm. hit it from a different angle or something like that. But what I really need to do is go out into the mountains, do a really good hike. And when I give myself that space and when I give myself that opportunity, it's scary how many times a solution or a different idea 
has come to me during those periods. Preach. Amen. Yes, 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 yes. It is amazing. Like, and although we talk about it when we sometimes just don't do it, we know it, like get out, go take a walk. And it really does help walk away from it. Close it. Does it need to be done tonight? Probably not. Once in a while, there's a deadline, right? Once in a while. But a lot of times that deadline is self-imposed by us. Like I have to get it done tonight. You probably don't. And if you took a break, took a walk, did anything else to clear your head, oh my goodness, you come back, you're like, I got it. That's why our showers are so important. (laughs) Not just for hygiene. They're not just for hygiene people. Showers are for idea creation. And you're like, oh. That's, that's the joke. They had the commercial of like, I can't remember what, of course, the commercial was for, but it was like all the ideas were in the shower. It's so true. Yes. Your mind is free. It's free. Well, I love that some of the podcasts, when you talked about the podcast, you said they inspire you and inform you and share your struggle. And that's what we do. That's what we're trying to do is let people know, hey, this is what people have done to change their lives. Here's advice. And so hopefully we inspire people. So for that segue, it's like we couldn't have planned a segue better, Jacqueline. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, couldn't have done it. So I appreciate it. So what is, speaking of inspiring others, what was the decision you made that changed the trajectory of your life? And what are some of those charge qualities you use to help you make that decision? So one huge decision in my life was becoming a Peace Corps volunteer, because that is a really big commitment. You're serving for 15 months abroad, uh, so three months for language training. I learned Swahili since I was living in Tanzania, Africa, and then two years living in a rural village and teaching high school math. And you know, that's that's a pretty big decision. But also, if you take in mind my background, I actually grew up in a very, very small town in Northwest Ohio that is literally called Hicksville, Ohio. Oh, it does exist. Oh, Jacqueline? Yes. Hello. Hello? Yeah. Uh-oh. Okay. Sorry about that. I don't know what that was. That's so okay. I, I grew up in a small town yeah. in. Northwest Ohio, that is literally called Hicksville, Ohio. Stop it. It is. It stop is. it right now. Yeah. I call flag I on the play. Hicks, <laughs> like H I C K S, Hicks, V I L L E. You nailed okay. it. So we have <laughs> three stoplights and one blinky light. That's how small our hometown is. Wow. And so, okay. Yeah. So the idea of going off to a developing country was very intimidating, very daunting for me because so much of what I knew was just in my local rural surrounding community. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I loved about this experience is uh, Peace Corps was great and it not only opened up my eyes to another culture and gave me an opportunity to serve and volunteer in that community. But they actually gave me the choice, and I got to choose to live in a very rural community over there too. So I felt more at home in that experience. Mm. And so it was a little bit complicated insofar as my village didn't have any electricity for half the year, and we didn't have any running water. So you had to carry buckets of water for your food, for washing your clothes, for washing your dishes. Um, but that made me feel more at home 
with where I was living. And like I said, it helps open my eyes when you're forming these real and genuine relationships with your neighbors, with your students, with the community leaders. This opened my eyes to so many different ways of life. And I think it kind of embedded in me this natural curiosity and this ability to question what I had previously considered was the norm and to be open to taking more risk and open to being a little bit scared sometimes or being a little bit put off balance. I Let's go back before we talk about that. Tell, take us back to little Jacqueline saying <laughs> like in Hicksville, because, oh, my God, Hicksville. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, you I, I have friends who are in the Peace Corps. You go in at a relatively young age, like you're probably maybe, you know, like in 18, 19, 20 or something like that. So how did you even get this idea living in Hicksville? Like, I'm going to go do the Peace Corps. Like, what propelled you to leave? Because a lot of times it's hard to leave your hometown. Of course. So at that point, I had actually already graduated from Case Western Reserve University with a computer engineering degree. And I made the choice to move back in with my parents. And I got a job as a computer programmer for a year um, with a really great company, Nucor Building Systems. And I was doing that. And it wasn't everything I thought it would be. You know, I'd worked so hard for this degree and it meant so much to me. Growing up in Hicksville, I didn't know any female engineers. So getting this degree was everything. And then it wasn't. I was doing the work that I had worked so hard. I had um, worked as a computer intern during the summertime, during the daytime. And I worked as a waitress at a Mexican restaurant in the evening during the summer to pay for this college tuition because this was just I really wanted to be an engineer that badly. And now all of a sudden I was a programmer And it wasn't nearly as fulfilling or challenging. And I wasn't the right fit that I thought it would be. And so I decided I wanted to do something completely different. And I thought about Peace Corps as a way to do something on the exact opposite end of the spectrum. Holy. Um, (laughs) So I left for a smoke. So when you then decide, so now it's even a little trickier. So now you have a good job, the proverbial quote unquote, right? She's got a good job and benefits and a salary and you're a good engineer, right? And that's what everyone says and pat on the back and you've accomplished it. You've, you're done now, Jacqueline. For then to you to say, eh, I think I'm going to give it up <laughs> right? and, 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 and move to Africa. So what... Like, what were some people's reactions and how did you manage through that? And did it take you, you know, a few months to make this decision or you made it fairly quickly and then executed it? Kind of take us through some of that thought process. Yeah. So I think the application for becoming a Peace Corps volunteer, I think on average, it might take about six months. Mm. So I probably was at that job for about six to nine months. And then I started this application process. So that is a good part about this endeavor is since it is such a major commitment, um, you know, some people, when they hear about Peace Corps, they might want to do it for like three months, but they specifically don't set up the program for that because it really does take you living in the local community, forming those relationships to actually do some good while you're there. And so I appreciated personally that the application process was also quite an invested step as well. And then thankfully, for the most part, 
people in my network were very accepting. I think partially because my network knows that I'm an engineer and knows that I am going to do my research. Um, I was able to address questions that came up. I did have maybe one aunt who expressed concerns um, about my safety, about what that would look like. There might have been some stereotypes about Africa being involved. And I did actually, oddly enough, have a couple people ask me if I was going to bring a gun, at which I reminded them this was Peace Corps. <laughs> not Gun Corps, not War Corps. No. <laughs> trying to defeat the purpose. So thankfully, everybody, I would say for the most part, considering what a drastic transition this was, was overall um, very respectful of that decision. But I also think that has a lot to do with Peace Corps as an organization and how we Americans view Peace Corps and what it means to us as a society. So I think I am grateful that we have such a program that is so well set up. And I think a lot of Americans are very proud of that kind of branch of diplomacy that we um, try to do and the benefits that it has for our own um, you know, individuals who decide to embark on that adventure. Yeah, you you mentioned, so you came back and you said, it really opened my eyes. It embedded to other cultures and, and it embedded you, you think, with this curiosity and open to taking more risks and being okay with being scared. So how did it, so you made this decision, you come back, how do you feel like going to the Peace Corps, going to Africa, then really did change the direction of your life? Like what's changed? What if you if you didn't go, what do you think would have would have happened with your life? Well, I think one thing that it made me extremely grateful for was recognizing that we have a safety net in the US. You know, mm. if you are born in another country. And if you decide you want to be an entrepreneur to start your own little shop or whatever that looks like, you don't have an overall system to protect you. If that business goes bust, you may not eat the next day. You might be going to your family, neighbors and friends hoping for individual charity because they don't have the nonprofits or the government set up mm. for that. So just recognizing the resources we have, the safe drinking water, the access to internet, the education system, the health system, the so many different standards that I took absolutely for granted before going on this. Mm -hmm. I, I, I was thinking that the charge quality that you, that, that we haven't talked about those yet, but all I could, I just wrote humility like in just that being so humble and realizing, Oh my God, I'm so grateful for all the things we have. Yes. And then I will say another thing that I found super interesting was it made me challenge my own beliefs because I think before this, now granted, I was, you know, maybe a wide-eyed dreamer at that stage to a certain extent. You're young, you're going into Peace Corps, mm -hmm. you have all these ideas about how you're going to save the world. I knew I was going to start a library and I loved that I knew I was going to do this even when I didn't know my local community or their needs. So looking back, I'm like, how presumptuous. I mean, I love libraries, I love reading, but how presumptuous is it of me to think that I could possibly understand what a village community might need before even meeting a single resident of that community. I, I love that you said that because two things. 
we've talked about on this podcast before about travel and how amazing travel is because you do challenge your own beliefs because you step outside yourself and your country. And then you kind of have to, you know, maybe you debate with other people or maybe just silently you're questioning things in your own head of like, I wonder why they do it this way. Well, that's interesting. Well, what does that mean about how we do things? Um, which is just fascinating when you travel a lot and it really does challenge your own beliefs. But I, the fact that you had that insight of saying, wait a second, who am I to come in? I don't, I haven't even gathered my data yet. So from the engineering, right. From the engineering perspective and from what we talk about in the charge models, accuracy, and you don't know what the problem is. And you, you did it, which so many of us do, right. Especially when we're helping, we go, Oh, I know what they need. They need this. Do they really? I don't know, but you're assuming. And it's so easy to fall in that trap, especially when you're quote unquote helping people. Yes. And so I experienced that about a year into my service, we got to choose our counterpart for who we were going to do HIV AIDS education with. And this is probably one of the most mind blowing experiences that I have. And it still rattles me from having lived over there. I chose my best friend who was a biology teacher, and we went to a Peace Corps seminar where we were taught together on how to teach others in the community about HIV AIDS prevention. And she took me aside one night and she said, you know, Jack, because over there they called me Jack. They're like, she's like, you know, Jack, I have a question I need to ask you. She's like, you and I are teaching these HIV prevention classes together. But in my own culture, it is currently acceptable for a man to sleep around and for a woman to not ask questions about it. Mm. And I am breastfeeding my daughter. And if I get something from him, I could pass it on to my child. How do I keep others safe when I can't even keep my baby daughter safe? And she blew my mind. I was so grateful that she clued me into how complicated these situations can be and how easy it is to oversimplify them. And that she gave me this little bit of insight and allowed me to see that and experience her struggle with her. I felt as an extreme privilege and it still troubles me. Oh my goodness. Well, in the lessons that you get, like you said, that, that you were open and you probably were created a safe space for her to talk about that. So, and, and then you were open to listening to it and saying, these aren't simplistic solutions. You can't exactly. just go into anywhere, a country, a city and say, uh-huh, you just need X. That's yeah. it. We're done. And, and, you know, as, as a society, as a world, we really like the easy, super simple solution. <laughs> so we can of move course. on to the next one. There's like human nature. You just want to solve it really quick. And, and to say it's incredibly complicated, um, it is, is like, oh, that takes a lot of time and I don't want to manage that. But holy smoke. And talk about challenging your own beliefs. And wait, wait, we're coming in telling her that you can't, you're not supposed to cheat maybe. Like you could have that moral compass, right? Of like, no one should cheat. She's like, well, no, we're saying the man can sleep around, but I can't. I mean, holy smoke, Jacqueline. So this goes back to what we were talking about earlier with problem solving, right? Because- huh? It opened my eyes to a whole new level of what problem solving looked like. And as an engineer, to recognize that human factor and what relationships look like and what open communication when there is trust built looks like 
was extremely important to me. So that was a huge lesson learned on my side. I, that's my quote for this podcast. And <laughs> I want all engineers to hear that because they probably turned <laughs> off. They probably turned off when you said the human side. They're like, stupid podcast. Off. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I say this with love to all my engineers who would just say, ugh, humans. And I would always laugh with them and say, but that's the biggest problem there is, right? Because when you're an engineer and you're solving a problem that is a, uh, let's say, a mechanical issue, you leave that machine on a Friday night and you come back on Monday morning. And for the most part, it's the same machine. Nothing's really happened. You know, you're still going to attack the problem. But a human you can leave on Friday night and you come back Monday morning. And there's a lot of stuff that happened to that human over the weekend. I guess what they just did. I quit now. Or I, you know, whatever humans, humans, humans don't stay the same from Friday night to Monday morning. Um, and so I used to joke with, with my engineers about that. So I love your problem solving. What is the advice you have for others when you made this big decision? Um, what are some of the top kind of two or three pieces of advice you have for others who are making a, a significant life change like you did? I think approaching, um, Approaching an issue, approaching a choice with a sense of curiosity is so important. So I'm in corporate learning sector, and it's interesting how many people now are talking about lifelong learning. And I think we have more of an advantage when we approach situations, not necessarily as an expert, but as someone who's curious to learn more, because there's always going to be different sides that we can take in. Our jobs are changing, our roles are changing, businesses are changing. So it's actually really vital for all of us now, whether we own our own company or whether we're in corporate America or whatever that looks like, to have this sense of curiosity towards life and work. Uh, 100% amen. That, I feel like that's all I say to you right now. 100% yes. <laughs> 100%. Yes, 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 yes. What are the other, before I go off on a tangent, what are the other pieces of advice you have? I love the curiosity, curiosity, curiosity. I think authenticity is a big thing too, especially in our virtual world right now. And I've seen this in a lot in the conversations. You know, Carrie, you and I met online and we have fostered a relationship that has continued. A lot of people are having um, LinkedIn connections, virtual meetings, plugging into that virtual network, even at virtual conferences. And so I think it's important um, to understand because people say it's not the same as in person. And I get that. I get that pain. We all want to be back out again. I totally hear that. But I think it's important to have some vulnerability and to have some personality and to have some authenticity show through. And then people are more willing to engage at a different level. And it truly is a different experience if you're willing to share some of yourself in that virtual forum. I, um, yes, again, look at me hundred percent. Yes. Okay. Stop Carrie. Um, but I think the reason you and I, then, like I said, we, we, both of us connected on kind of LinkedIn and that vulnerability by allowing others to see a part of you. Oh my goodness. Um, then they'll share. And if you lock all that up and put up all the walls, you'll wonder why, why don't people share anything with me? Because you don't share anything with them. It is a two way street and you have to show some of your vulnerability 
to get others comfortable with that. If Kelly and I ran this podcast and didn't share anything about ourselves, or when we give psychometric assessment feedback, we always talk about ourselves because not because we're so self-absorbed, maybe, but but <laughs> maybe, but but it's also to show, oh no, we're not like we're not perfect. We don't know everything, but like here's here's how we manage it. And we struggle with it too. And then guess what? Other people are willing to share. So you have to share your vulnerability. But Thank let's you. be honest. I don't know about if it's the same for you, Carrie. I'd be curious to hear about this. But I had to, before I start, I post almost every single day on LinkedIn. I create that once a week blog. I have this different content I'm putting out in the world. And before I embarked on this, I had to kind of take a look at myself and say, okay, what aspects of myself? Who is Jacqueline Adams if I were to meet her online? And I'm like, she is an engineer. Mm -hmm. She is an adventurer. She is a connector of other people. And she's somebody who just wants to like talk about her fails, but also like rally people together. And so I had to be really purposeful. I was open to being vulnerable, but I also had to figure out my own voice in order to know what that vulnerability, to know what that sharing looked like. Did you have that experience as well? Yeah, I think that's, it's, it's like, um, I was, while you were talking, there's a sloppy vulnerability where mm-hmm. you're right, you're all over the place. And I'm like, oh, I didn't need to know all that about you. <laughs> you know, like, For oh, sure. that's a little, whew, that's a little too much. And I'm sure I've been too sloppy sometimes. Um, but there is the kind of, what's your brand and your values and what yeah. you want to put out in the world. And so you do still have to have some kind of boundary if you're sharing, because that slappy vulnerability and telling everyone everything will start to put people off. And it does sound like all you want to talk about is yourself at all times and your issues and your problems. Um, So yeah, how do you have this kind of this, uh, it's authentic vulnerability, like you're saying, not too slappy and still on brand. So you do have to really be thoughtful about it because especially with social media, you put some of that stuff out there and it never, ever ever goes away. Yeah. <laughs> but you do you do have to be a little more thoughtful too if you're posting on social media versus you and I having a conversation. And I might, I might, maybe I'll share something with you, but I might not post it on social media quite yet. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Do you have any more uh, ad- advice? I would say my last thing that I did that I think is very important is building up a really strong community And so I've stayed in touch with those Peace Corps volunteers. I've stayed in touch with friends from years ago. And I've continued to build my community even during this past year. Actually, I've really quite extended my community through the online reach during this past year. And I'm very very purposeful about what that community looks like and making connections and making introductions for them. And it's interesting that even during this past year, when it's gotten really hard, mm-hmm. I have appreciated being able to lean on that community of online virtual connections for support, for encouragement, to hold me accountable um, to who I am. So I'm super grateful for that network in that community. And I just, you've talked about, I'll keep going back to humility for you because you're such a humble person. You've talked about grateful and what you've learned and that curiosity and that authentic vulnerability. I mean, that really is all about this humility plus accuracy. 
because you are a mm-hmm. problem solver and you're trying to, to dig deep. And I know Kelly, those words for Kelly, I'm sure just trigger the curiosity, authentic, building the community and networking. I know Kelly that she's like singing all the songs you love. <laughs> I know she is. Absolutely. What comes to mind too, is I'm hearing your story, Jacqueline, is being very self-aware about who you are. Um, not only knowing what you want out of an experience that you put yourself into or that you, you know, just in experience in general, but what do you want out of future experiences and how do you get there and who are the people that you should connect with to make that possible? Um, it just, your story rang so true of how important it is to be self-aware. And that's one of the themes that we've seen emerge from the series is knowing more about yourself helps you better understand yourself, what your brand is, what you were referring to earlier, Jacqueline, but it also helps you inform other people about who you are and what you're looking for in a relationship. So speaking to what Carrie said earlier, what are your personal values? What's your, um, what's sort of your, your overall brand does help you to better understand not only who you are, but also those people. It serves as a good gauge of, of the people that come into your life as well, I would imagine. And isn't that amazing that we get to explore and have these external adventures and have all of these new experiences? And at the same time, we kind of get to do this internal exploration and figure out more things about ourselves and who we are and what makes us tick, given the new stimulus, given the new environment. Absolutely. And it, it, you know, for those who are wanting it, of course, there are some people who you really wish were self-aware and they're of course not, right? <laughs> I'm sure we've all been there. Maybe it's a phase, but we've all been there from time to time too. Like maybe if I give this feedback for the 50th time, it will stick. <laughs> no, I guess not. <clears throat> what, but thank you so much for the service that you've given, you know, to, to the people in Tanzania. What was something that surprised you that you didn't expect from the experience that you had there? Um, I did learn my very favorite word of all time. Um, it is in Swahili. There is a word for butt, which is matako, but there is a word for booty. I'm getting a little bit more on the lighter side here. There's a word for big booty, which is wo wo wo. And I did not expect to learn my favorite word, but I think that is absolutely phenomenal and delightful. Oh, especially when you're doing such heavy work. I mean, that's a pretty tasking, I would think, emotionally, physically, being in, in the in the Peace Corps. It's a, a moment of levity that you maybe didn't expect you would have. That's awesome. So that was something I always shared when I came back and was doing talks at the churches, at the high schools for Rotary Clubs. I think everybody expected kind of a doom and gloom lecture mm-hmm. about the struggles, about HIV, AIDS, the poverty. And it was nice to share something that we could all kind of relate to and joke about as a way to introduce that topic. Yep. Everyone's human. What would you say, if there's someone who's interested in maybe joining the Peace Corps um, or doing something, you know, and no curiosity, you know, doing something that's completely different than what you're, what you're, what you're maybe currently doing, um, but for for those who might be considering uh, a, a life of service, what are some recommendations that you have? Like, what are one or two things that um, you think would help guide them to making to being thoughtful in that decision? Great question, and I'd like to tweak it slightly because I think in some ways um, all of us are called to service. And that doesn't have to be a full-time gig. You can do it so many nonprofits would love additional volunteers. 
And so I think just getting involved in your local community. Before I was doing Peace Corps, I was volunteering at the um, senior center. Um, you know, not right now, but typically you can go to nursing homes and people love it if you paint the lady's fingernails and engage them in conversation. Uh, you can look into, and every community has its own nonprofit. So just doing basic Google searches and finding out what volunteers are needed and getting involved once a week, once a month is such a great start. And as many volunteers have said over periods of time, it's such an investment in yourself because when you get involved with something that's bigger than you are, then it's amazing how much it puts your own life into perspective. That's so true. And, and especially with, you know, COVID times where we might be home more than we want to be or would like to be, it does allow you that opportunity to realize that there are many things to be grateful for. And when you can give of yourself, it, it means that much more. Yes. Um, not only you, and, but to the people who are receiving it or the animals or whatever it is that you're volunteering for. So um, thank you so much, Jacqueline, for, for sharing your really inspirational story and for being so candid and, and vulnerable with us today. Um, I really enjoyed it. I know our viewers will, or our listeners will as well. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed our conversation. Absolutely. And if you'd like to follow Jacqueline, feel free to do so at on LinkedIn at Jacqueline Adams. And I'll make sure to include all of Jacqueline's contact information in our show notes. Once again, Jacqueline, thank you so much for being a guest in our podcast. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you for listening to the Recharge Your Life podcast. Please sign up for our newsletter at abracigroup.com and follow us on social media. You can find us on LinkedIn at Abrachi Group, Instagram at Warriors of HR, and Twitter at Warriors underscore HR. Remember to subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and please tell a friend. And be sure to drop us a note on how you are recharging your life. We can't wait to hear from you.